Welcome back, Warriors. Francais Sego, Annie Boujou, Quainine de Louise Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, languages, traditions, laws, and governing practices. And it's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And part of this work includes a good amount of public education and advocacy work. Informed Canadians are empowered Canadians and can be important friends, supporters, and allies in our collective quest for justice for Indigenous peoples. And while more and more Canadians are taking up that responsibility to be self-educating on Indigenous issues, there is still a ton of misinformation out there on the internet and often confusing headlines in the media. And that's especially true right now with only three more days till the federal election. Federal party leaders are making promises left, right, and center. And when prodded by the media, they're often stick just to their speaking points and don't even answer the exact question. Nowhere is this more evident than in the tightly managed and controlled federal election debates that we see election after election. Sometimes they're just too painful to watch. For years, I wished that if only an Indigenous person could have 10 minutes at those debates, five minutes even, to be up there and ask them the pointed questions that we all want answered then we'd get some real answers. And this year was finally the year. Not only did an Indigenous person from an Indigenous media outlet get to ask candidates Indigenous questions, but by all accounts, she was the true winner of the debates. Melissa Ridgen is an award-winning journalist who has spent more than 24 years covering crime, courts, politics, business, and entertainment for newspapers in four different provinces. She then joined my favorite television station, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, or more commonly known as APTN. But she didn't just casually cover the news. She's also been nominated for numerous awards and won several awards, including two from the Native American Journalists Association this year in 2021. Welcome to the Warrior Life Podcast, Melissa. I feel like I've won something by being <laughs> Well, Tanche, thank you, Pam, for having me. What an honor. Oh, I'm so excited. You like ever since those debates, and we will get into that. I have been dying to talk to you. I'm so thankful that you said yes. And I know our listeners are gonna have like a billion questions. So I'm going to try to think of all of their questions so that they get answered. This is very weird that you're asking the questions. This is not our relationship. I'm supposed to be asking you questions. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Yes. So this is my time for revenge. Yes. I could ask you some really hard <laughs> questions. Okay. Well, you know what? Before we get into all of that juicy stuff, we always start the Warrior Life podcast with people having an opportunity to introduce themselves in their own language or how they want to, referencing whatever it is that they feel comfortable. Well, I wish I knew my own language. Um, we, my son and I, um, he just turned 11. We just started learning Machif during lockdown. So we're very rusty so far. We did get a COVID cat who you can see back there. 
so cute. Um, and his name is Manoush, which is Machef, meaning cat. So nice. You know a couple, we know a couple of Machef words. <laughs> um, I'm Red River Metis. My family is from uh Saint Laurent, Saint Norbert, Saint Boniface areas, which is uh basically Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my I'm uh my mom's side is um English and Polish, and my dad's side is Metis. Uh, but even on my mom's side, on my white family side, my mom and like aunts and uncles and cousins have all married Métis and had kids. So my entire white family has been taken over by Métis too. And, and then there's my dad's family, which is just just Métis, right? Um, so yeah, I was I grew up in um, Brandon, Manitoba, which is two hours from Winnipeg. Um, you know, always loving our Métis roots. Um, being surrounded by Métis, like I said, not just, you know, my parents were separated when I was very young, but on my mom's side of the family, we're surrounded by the Métis there too, because they were smart enough, those settlers, to marry the Métis and make babies with them. So yeah, that's my family. Oh my gosh, resistance is futile in the Métis context. (laughs) Totally, we spread like weeds, as we say. Good weeds. Good oh week. my goodness. Well, some of our listeners are from different parts of Turtle Island, obviously, and there's other listeners all over the world, and some of them might not be familiar with the Red River Métis. Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about Métis people. Well, we, I mean, we formed from, from the fur trade, right? You know, uh, settlers, uh, European settlers, French and Scottish mostly, English, I believe, in there, are in there too, um, took indigenous like first nations wives here then that's and then formed settlements and then within those settlements you know those kids those people's kids would have kids who's who would have kids who would have kids so it's just it became a nation right so we're not just while the word metis means mixed blood um the big m of metis actually is referring to a people which is what we are so you could be mixed blood without being metis which that's a whole other podcast for you i'm sure you've (laughs) And keep me out of that one because I get into it and I get dizzy and angry. Uh, yeah, when you know all of the reasons why, because there's a lot of people um, proclaiming to be Métis now uh, based on one ancestor that they have from, you know, 400 years ago who was Indigenous and and they claim somehow that that makes them Métis and it doesn't. It doesn't. No, so Red yeah. River Métis is like is Métis. It's sad that we even have to say Red River Métis yeah. because it should be implied, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, like it's a nation. It's a whole people with their own unique history and obviously their own language and yeah. customs and practices that in, in in such an interesting way evolved over time to be separate. Yeah. So not yeah. just, oh, I have an ancestor, but you're actually identify as a people. And as I think a, a lot of people outside of Canada and even in Canada yeah. don't really understand that that's, that's really culturally significant. It's so true. Culture. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story here. So my co-producer, Beverly Andrews, um, her dad is a white man and her mom is Soto. So all growing up, people would tell her, oh, well, you're Métis. And she's like, I'm not Métis. Like she knew from a very young age, like Métis people are over, like that's them over there. I'm just, you know, Soto and white. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm not Métis. And people were insistent in telling her who she was. And I'm like, of course, that would be, of you course. know, non-Indigenous people would feel uh, that they're privileged enough that they can tell you what your identity is, even after you cor- try to correct them. But 
Oh my, colonizer 101, don't tell native people who they are. Yeah, they didn't get the memo, a lot of them. <laughs> no, well, that's good. Like, and, and here on the Warrior Life podcast, we actually try to feature, you know, voices from all backgrounds. Even people still misunderstand that Indigenous is just one big homogenous group. And it's like, no, we have like First Nation voices and Inuit yeah. voices, Métis voices, with yeah. different ideas and positions and backgrounds. So that, that's, I mean, that's really awesome. So thank you for that. But another question I know people will always want to know is not just what's what you're doing now, but how did you get to where you were? Like, what's your personal journey? Did you always want to be a journalist? Was it from watching Lois Lane on Spider-Man? <laughs> or did you, did you I, evolve? I wanted to be a journalist since I was nine. Oh. Just because, you know, you'd watch TV news or you'd, you know, read the paper, you'd see, you know, your family reading the paper and then talking about that, like what was happening in their community, what was happening in their world. And I'm just nosy. I'm a very nosy person. I've always been nosy. And I always thought that would be such a cool job. Like I want to go out and get information that would that people would be sitting around their dinner tables talking about, about their community or about their world or about an issue. So yeah, since I was nine, I wanted to be a journalist. I finished high school and um, went into university, then took a year off and then went back to university to finish my journalism, get my journalism diploma from um, Mount Royal College in Calgary. And from there, I got a job right out of um, a journalism school at the Kenora Daily Miner and News, which is just a Kenora is like located almost on the Manitoba, Ontario border and started there. was there for five years and then I moved to Calgary to a daily newspaper at the Calgary Sun and was there for four years and then moved to the Brandon Sun as the, uh, and I think I was like 29 and I was, you know, running a, the, the city desk at um, a daily newspaper. And how I ended up at APTN, I never wanted to get into broadcasting. Like I never wanted to be a TV journalist at all. But APTN was starting a new unit called APTN Investigates, which was APTN's version of like 60 Minutes or W5, um, that sort of thing. And I thought, wow, that'd be so fascinating. And they were looking for a researcher. So somebody to be doing digging all that information. I'm like this is precisely what I'd love to do because being in daily news, there were so many stories that I'm like, oh, I wish I had time that to dig it, like spend a few days on that or a few weeks on that because there's such a big story there. But when you're in the daily news grind, you're literally just feeding the daily news goat, as we call it, right? Stuffing stories in it. So you have something, a paper to put out that day or, or a broadcast to put out that night. So when the opportunity came up with APT and Investigates needing a researcher, I'm like, this is where I need to go. Um, and so Paul Barnsley, who'd started up the unit, um, hired me and I think I was there for a few months and then they're like, well, we need you to be a reporter, which now means you're fronting these stories. You're going to be on TV. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not meant for being on TV. Um, and did that for several years, won a bunch of awards there, um, with investigates and then moved back to daily news with APTN national news and, um, APTN in Focus, which is our weekly current affairs show um, on Wednesday afternoons, 2 Central, 3 Eastern. If you want to tune into that, starts again on October 4th. And that's just kind of like a one hour live. We chew the fat on um, stories that maybe don't make it into the news or we 
elaborate on stories, like getting behind the headlines and getting into some of the meteor things and the characters involved in certain stories that you've heard. So I've been doing that for four years and here we are. <laughs> that's that's awesome. You know, that's, that's great. And I guess one of the things that really intrigues me is like you were doing a lot of journalism before you came to APTN. Did yeah. you, do you see a, a difference between the journalism that you were doing in all of these different places compared to what's happening at APTN? Well, because when you're doing stories for mainstream outlet, you like indigenous stories or stories that would affect indigenous people or involve Indigenous people, those are just kind of one little element of what your work is. And you're always telling those stories to a broader audience. Whereas at APTN, everything we do is for or about Indigenous people. And we're telling it from our perspective. You know, the jump off point of the story assumes that our audience knows a lot because of lived experience. Um, and so you don't have, and we understand a lot of, of um, you know, what's led something to here. Whereas at, you know, mainstream uh, media outlets, you kind of have to explain so much of the backstory to frame it. Uh, and then you're still telling it to non-Indigenous people. So, I mean, I love APTN for, I've, I've chosen to not leave APTN and move on to anything else just because there's so many of our stories that haven't been told and that I know will not get told in other media outlets. So why would I leave knowing that that work is still there to be done? I'm not leaving. Oh, well, that's great news because we always <laughs> wondered, you know, what happens? We want success for everyone. We want you to follow the path of your dreams. Yeah. Um, but we also never want to lose like indigenous people telling indigenous stories that are important to indigenous peoples in our own outlet. Like APTN is just so unique around the world. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't they the first in national indigenous network in the world? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And if, and if not, there is one um, in the Aboriginal broadcast corporation in um, Australia they, they're really good too. Like I would definitely encourage um, your listeners to check that out too. Um, and Maori TV, they mm -hmm. do incredible work um, in New Zealand, but yeah, I mean, if we weren't the first, we were among the first, we've been here for 22 years. Like we're kind of still babies in a lot of ways, right? Like that's a young, that's a young broadcaster. But I mean, I would I would also argue we've been here long enough, 22 years. I don't think that it was cool that suddenly in 21, 2021, we're asking APTN to participate in a debate that, you know, the other national broadcasters, Canada has four national broadcasters. The other three have always been having, having a seat at the table. And then just suddenly this year, APTN's invited us. Like, we've been here for 22 years. Come on. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, OK, so let's get into the juicy stuff. How on earth? Did APTN finally get to be part of this media consortium uh, for the federal election debates? And, you know, and, and how did it, first of all, how did they get that? And then how did you get to be a part of that? Well, we pushed our way in because that's how we do. Um, we, you know, APTN made the, made the case that we should be at this debate table too. Like we have issues um that affect all Canadians right uh of course we tell them from an Indigenous perspective but these are still issues that a broader audience need to be involved in the conversations 
So in 2019, one broadcaster blocked us from coming, just didn't want to make any space at that table. It's the one we all pay for. It's not one of the privates. Um, because, you know, they think that they can tell, like, we do a good enough job. We don't, the, the natives don't need to get in here. We're, we cover for the natives quite well. Yeah, there's that, all of that. So um, then after 2019, then the push was on. And um, I kind of think that why they didn't block us this year is because of that all that guilt hanging over all of them about, oh, they're dead kids. How do we say no to them now? Right. And at the same time as that, Canadians were like, holy shit, you know, grappling with their country's reality. Right. When those graves turned up this summer in Kamloops and Kalasis, and we know that there's more. Um, is it new? Is it news? Absolutely not. All of this was laid out for Canadians by their own government in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report back in 2015. There's volumes on our unmarked graves, our missing kids uh, who went to school and never came back. We don't know where, where they went or are they dead, what they die from, where are they buried. All of that's in that report. But Canadians hadn't. I guess it wasn't the time then for them to absorb that this was the summer for them to absorb that and um and they want to talk about it they want to like where do we go from here they want to understand the effects that that's had and once you start digging around seeing the reality of what those residential schools that residential school system was then so yeah. the appetite for among canadians um to learn more about uh their country's history and how it's impacted indigenous people um and and they want they see like okay so i can see how this is still having an effect when i look out on the street and i see people grappling with addictions when i see homelessness and poverty and violence this is all connected to that so canadians are finally connecting those dots and they have an appetite to understand more and to say how do we make this right and i think when you've got that sentiment out there it pushed the debate commission to realize this is not, you can't say no to APTN again. Sorry. Wow. So what, so once the decision's made, okay, APTN, P, uh, APTN, you're in, then how does it get decided who does what, whether you just get to ask questions or you get to just be there? Or like they decided the format and decided to break it into, um, so there would be the moderator would have one block of it and then the four uh, media outlets would each have a block too. Okay. Yes. So APTN got a block and then we start discussing what are these blocks going to look like? What's going to be in these blocks? The debate commission put out a call to the public. You know, we want to know what you want in this debate. What are the issues you are, you're interested in? What are the questions you want asked? 20,000 people responded. And wow. um, yeah, climate change was far and away the um, most important issue to um, people, to respondents. And not like we weren't over concerned about the environment. Yeah. It was more like, what climate action are these people going to do? Like, we are screwed. People, you know, I think it was that that last report finally, again, also maybe got people fired up. That one, it's like humanity is in the red zone sort of thing. Like, it's a red alert to all humanity. Like, we've got to fix this, what, how we're living on this planet. Um, but then right up there, too, next to that was reconciliation. People are like, what are we going to, how do we fix this? This system isn't working. 
I never really realized why it wasn't working and, and the particulars and mechanics of how it's not working, but I get that it's not working. And we should feel like shit for our history. Let's, what do we do to start fixing that, repairing that relationship? Um, so then it ended up that APTN out of um, all of these themes, as they called them. So you'll remember in the debate, there was you know one about leadership and accountability. There was one about uh, climate change. There was one about affordability. Things are like people can't afford things now, whether it's houses or food. Um, it was that for, and then reconciliation um, was one uh, theme. And then what was the other one? Oh, post-pandemic, where do we go after the pandemic, right? And so then there was discussion, who's going to do which theme? And it, you know, had come up. It's like, well, you know, does, we don't want to be presumptuous, but does APT want to do the reconciliation theme? And I, I think it would be pretty effing weird if I'm doing, you know, economic recovery. <laughs> and exactly. one person is like, let's talk about reconciliation. So they said, okay, well, we just wanted to make sure that 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 you're comfortable with this. So then I go back to APTN and say, you know, our theme is reconciliation. Now we have to um, pick questions for each of these leaders individually. And uh, because this is, again, the debate commission determined this format, there would be a question to each leader. And then um, one big question uh, for the open debate portion that we had to come up with. So me, uh, myself, and the powers that be at APTN chewed on a bunch of questions, how we wanted to approach it, what questions we thought were, you know, really important that needed to be asked. And the problem with that is we've been shoveled from the table um, so many times that our list of questions is like, as long as my leg, right? I've got a 33-inch inseam, and I swear to God, that list is as long as that leg. And but you got to boil it down to seven questions in 11 minutes. So there there was challenges. Right. And we kind of um, pretty quickly we whittled those down to what we like. I know a lot of the other uh, broadcast groups were, um, you know, back and forth and back and forth and took a long, a longer time to come up with their questions like and we're closer to the debate. Of course, a lot of those would be because the news is changing so fast that you might say, oh, this one is a little less relevant. This one is a little more timely, and so you put that in. Ours were done a couple of weeks before the debate, um, just because we figured they had the most impact on what we want Canadians to know and understand about what's going on, and that we knew our people wanted answers for. So, I mean, what's the process? So you picked your, I mean, you got together, you decided what your questions were going to be. Did they have to be formally approved by anybody or were you allowed to go with whatever questions you wanted? No, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Like maybe there, maybe there was something built into that process where somebody at the debate commission could have said, no, you're not asking that. They, maybe they could have, I don't know that, but I just know that they, that, that didn't happen. Like what we went, when APTM was done and we went, here's what we, what we want to do. They said, go. And it was, they didn't change edit nothing. Like it was, we got to ask what we wanted. Okay. So then my follow-up question to that is, do any of the federal leaders know what the questions are going to no. be ahead of time? No. The only thing that they knew ahead of time was what the themes would be for each block. Like, so they knew leadership, accountability, climate change, reconciliation. They knew those. Um, And they know they draw beforehand, like a few days before the debate, they draw to see who is asked a question first. But they don't know. They don't know what our questions to each of them are going to be. And nor do they know what the open debate question would be 
or uh, the face-to-face question would be, they don't know any of that. They just know it falls under the theme of reconciliation. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to them. <laughs> if they're no. on social media or watch the headlines, like right. well, you can reasonably predict we're going to care about things yeah. like that. I certainly felt like when I got out there and I looked around, um, I kind of felt that some of them looked like they didn't know what to expect. Yes. No yes. Which to be, and that's not a slight to them. They've not been questioned by an indigenous journalist before on these. So of course they're wondering like, where's this going? Right. Um, So they kind of had that weird look. And it was funny because just a few seconds before I went out there, I was feeling a little bit nervous standing in the wings waiting. And I looked out there and my, I honest to God, I'm like, this seems like something a grown up should be doing. (laughs) This seems very grown up. (laughs) And, um, then they're like, okay, go on. And as soon as I walked out there, then you just switch into professional mode. I've been asking questions for 24 years. So, so the nerves were all gone. And when I got up to the podium and I looked at each of them and I could see that they looked to me more nervous than I'd felt before I came out. Yep. So then I'm like, you could see that. Good. Yeah, no. Okay. So (laughs) my other question, I feel like I'm going to have a thousand questions for you, but is you decided on the questions, but your questions were full of context. They were specific to that person, their record on Indigenous issues. They were pointed, I would say, if I can, brutally honest and direct. I was just like, oh, yes, I'm getting so much satisfaction just from the nature of the question. Well, to be on the wording. Because... Um, I was, my old boss, Paul Barnsley used to say all the time, uh, when I would do an, an investigates, he's like, Melissa, like you still stop, you put 50 pounds in a 10 pound bag is what he would say about my stories all the time. So I'm very, I get a little OCD about, you know, every word you go through them and it's like, but you know, for, for example, one of the things that I had changed was like, you know, there's more kids in child, uh, welfare, um, care now than at the height of residential schools. And I'm like, I don't like that. No, there's more kids in government custody now than at the height of residential schools. That to me is more impactful. So I kind of went through and made a little clawier um, points, I guess, because to me, a lot of people who are watching will have never heard any of these issues before. So I can't frame questions that people aren't going to understand because then what does the answer or non-answer mean? Right. So it's like, even if you don't get an answer, you get a bullshit answer, you get a a talking point. I want the seed to be planted with the question. So, um, you know, we'd go back and forth and I, I kind of rewrite them and send them back out to, you know, our, our editorial board. And, uh, we chew on that and add and twist a little bit. And so I very, like I said, two weeks before I'm like, I'm, I feel like we just need to stop. These questions are what they should be. Like I just had this calm over me. And I think I should tell you, if I wasn't going to be a journalist, I was going to be a lawyer. I always like the idea. It's like, I want to, I want to question. I can wrap you 50 ways from Fridays. Yes. 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 Oh, you're just so satisfying. Like, never mind the answer. I was like, oh, thank you for those questions. That's just, (laughs) ooh, that's they deserve those questions because that makes like, me happy to hear Here's a statement of reality for us. Here's what you did or didn't do. What are you going to do about X? And it's like, 
regardless of their answer, Canadians, like think of all of the people that watched, heard that. And, and of course, it's not like you're just making up political rhetoric. You're making statements of fact and asking them to account. And it's just, Oh, I'm sure so many people were sitting there going, oh, yeah. That makes me happy to hear. Because one thing that did stress me before the debate was, am I going to be, am I going to do justice to our people? Or are they going to feel that the questions got watered down? Because you kind of have to water them down. And water down is kind of a shitty word to use, I guess. But you have to make them so broad for other people to understand. And I really worried that I was going to fail um, you know, our audience, our people who'd be watching going, you know, you didn't, that wasn't pointed enough and it didn't, it was too wishy-washy. So I struggled with that. And no, no. And, and, you know, like I said, before we even started, as soon as they said APTN's in there, I was like, yay. And then it was Melissa. And I was like, double yay. (laughs) first, The first thought to my mind is, oh, please don't ask general questions to be nice for Canadians. Yes. Because there's this, like overwhelming pressure by people in mainstream media to have like the general, easy, nice, yeah. slanted questions. We don't want to make them feel awkward or we don't want to make them feel bad. And I'm like, I'm not interested. I want you, I don't care if you feel bad. I'm not here to, to try to make you feel bad or to be rude, but I want you to understand some things. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to frame my questions, hopefully for you to understand them. And, and our editorial board was unanimous in, in, in feeling the exact same way. Um, there, but it's going to have a point on it and it might make you uncomfortable and that's okay. You should feel uncomfortable because it means you care. And then if you care, you might do the next step, which is to start the reconciliation process. So good. So did you have to do any prep? Like, did you do practice questions, practice follow-up questions or anything like that? We did practice questions on a rehearsal the day before. They brought in some students, uh, like poli-sci students, to, to play the role of the leaders. Oh, awesome. Just so you can get a feel of the flow of how, how the yeah. whole show goes. I mean, that production is mind-blowingly big. Like, hundreds of people spend thousands of hours to make that two hours of TV happen. It was mind blowing. I mean, APTN, we're that little kind of little engine that could, right? Like when <laughs> yeah. we have an APTN production, like everybody involved could fit in my kitchen, right? <laughs> we, you know, and this was not that. This was just mind blowingly big. It was very cool to be part of it and to see it go down. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so amazing. Okay. So I think I've asked most of the questions that our listeners would ask. Now I have my own juicy questions. Oh. I, I would like to <laughs> get your reaction to, you know, some of the responses because, you know, and we'll, we'll do one for each party, but you know, you ask the greens a very pointed question. What would you do about the Indigenous poverty and trauma? Like, I mean, it was a longer winded question than that. But specifically, what would you do different in Parliament if you got elected? And the response was, essentially, it's up to Indigenous leadership. And I was like, oh, Melissa must be just burning at that response. What did you think? I I mean, I kind of looked at it. It's like, I don't know what I wanted her to say Mm -hmm. other than to say, you know, Canadians, we live in a first world country and it's unacceptable that we have the first peoples of this country live in third world conditions and and are are crippled by poverty, by trauma that we inflicted on them. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then that, and the residuals of that is that they're now inflicting on each other through lateral violence because of how badly we've, we've done them. Um, just even to say something like that. And it's like, what's the solution? I don't know, but let's just keep, let's just keep making it be a priority. I would have been happy with that. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, like in fairness to all the parties, if that's a thing, I was disappointed in all of their answers, but there's specific yeah. things I was like, oh, and then she used up some of her time to attack the block. Oh, I could educate you. And I was like, oh, you know what? You're wasting our precious answer time yeah. to get a dig in at the block. And strategically speaking, the block doesn't matter to the no. Green Party because they're not running to be the prime minister. No. So I thought that kind of shortchanged us. But then yeah. I have another one. Yeah. My gosh, that well, hang on a second. I would say that Anime Paul did make up, I will say this, by reminding us constantly about Jody Wilson Raybould and how she was done dirty by this government, right? Mm -hmm. So Anime to me, she might have taken a little over here, but she blew some wind over there, and I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, then, you know, th that was kind of like a segue into the block. She's, you know, attacking the block. And then your question to the block, I was like, oh my gosh, like no one ever asked to come back to these questions. But yeah. so, so, yeah, you talk to the block leader and you're like, hey, what about this systemic racism in Quebec? You know, yeah. like Joyce Eshaquan and all mm -hmm. of these other issues. And for him to say, Oh, uh, listen, I, I'm only going to talk about this in a quiet space. <laughs> this is a pro yeah, he sort of alluded to that it was a, you know, a private conversation to be had. And, and I thought uh, that took me off guard. Like, I didn't even know what to say back to that because it's like, you know, is it? I don't feel like it's a private conversation to be had. I feel it's one that we should be yelling from the rooftops. We should be having giant assemblies to be like hashing this out. Get get the people who have been done wrong by the by the justice system and police and the healthcare system in Quebec. And it's not just Quebec. We know that yeah. this happens across yeah. the country. And I did frame it like that. Like, you know, yeah. you know what happens in Quebec. It's new. It's it's kind of fresh headlines in Quebec. So yeah. Um, but we know it happens everywhere else, too. I mean, BC just did a healthcare review and found yes. massive examples of systemic racism in the healthcare system there. Same thing here in Manitoba, the Southern Chiefs Organization. Um, they did a review and found the exact same thing. Yeah. So it is everywhere. I'm not picking on Quebec. I was just saying, no. you know, I'm using it as a news hook uh, yeah. for Quebec. But we like, and I wouldn't you, I was hoping that he'd say, we've got this problem in Quebec and it does, it is problematic elsewhere. If I'm in parliament, I want this to be addressed. I want, you know, to start dismantling these systems and looking within all of them to see where the rot is. And that's oh, not a private conversation to be had to me. I know. I've never, I mean, is it really up to a leader from any party for any purpose to just say, basically, I'm going to pass on that question. I'm yeah. going to talk about that in private somewhere. Like, that's literally the opposite of yeah. transparency and accountability. Yeah. Well, but again, all you can do is ask the questions and yeah. what they say is what they say. And you as a voter, take it for yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like I got a little bit of blowback too from people saying, oh, you should have called them out for that or that. And I said, but it's, I'm not there to defend my no. question. No. I'm just there to ask it. And their answer is their answer. And you judge them based on that. Yeah. And you vote for them accordingly based on that. I didn't want to be, and I know some journalists, see their role differently. They see it being more about them. Yeah, I think people, no, it was watch the debate could see, you know, there's some journalists who like to be part of, they forget that they're not running for anything. Yeah. And it's not about you. It's about <laughs> these people who want to be in power, right? Well, they had an, he had an opportunity to answer. 
And that was his answer. And it left everybody hanging in a very shocking, dramatic yeah. way. And and I think that's far more effective than any kind of you trying to follow up and make him answer and him saying no yeah. and, and just extending it. It was just, boom, that's his answer. Wow. Yeah. And then people yeah. can take it for what it is. Exactly. Um, now, one of the ones I think that got the most native media headlines was when you asked the liberals, you know, their <laughs> question, you know, about their record on a whole bunch of things, but including water on First Nations. And the response was directed to you, Melissa. Yeah. That Melissa, don't you know that the enemy Shame of on progressive me. politics is cynicism. Cynicism. And I was like, yeah. What? <laughs> Your answer. Oh my god! And he, and he, and to shame me, you know, by yes. like Melissa. We all, yeah. So that was another thing. People were like, "You should have went at him." And I'm like, "Why? This you? It's not about me. Yes. He cannot hurt my feelings. This man, yeah. I, he has no power to hurt my feelings or offend me. So it is not about me. Me sitting there acting, you know, ass chapped about being talked to like that." serves no purpose. No. He, that was his response. Judge him accordingly. Yeah, exactly. And you had like, you, you asked the question with honesty, integrity. You're not like belittling anybody. You're just asking them to account. And then he says that. And I was like, oh man, in another context, you wouldn't get away with that buddy. But then with style and grace, you have the follow-up question. But yes, we're asking you about to account on your record or whatever. Yeah. And so that that's what we want to hear. You could have wasted all the time just bickering. And then there's nothing. There's no answer. Yeah. But now again, here's this answer. And it's like, oh, people are going to have to judge him accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Well, and built into that question, because I knew the answer was going to be, look, we've spent more money yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. And I'm like you know, you've, there's a lot of money that goes in, in Ottawa, but the problem yeah. is it doesn't come out of Ottawa. It's chewed up by that giant bureaucracy, right? So people are getting impatient yes. with all the money that's being spent and none of the results being seen. Yeah. Like I it's not proportional. So was that was what the question is. Like, why do we believe a third term you're going to fix that? And then he just went right back to, we've spent a lot of money. It's like, I framed it as we know that. And I, and I did say that to him. I don't think anybody's questioning the money. They're questioning the results. And then we were out of time. Yeah. And the fact that you asked the question that all of us think about how much the bureaucracy eats out of that, you know, yes. um, in uneducated media, they're like, uh, oh, where does all the money go? Millions or whatever. And it's like, why don't you ask the thousands and thousands and yes. thousands of federal bureaucrats yeah. that work at now two departments that work at DFO, the RCMP, Justice mm -hmm. Canada, all on Indigenous issues that suck up yes. all of our... And, and I don't think that yeah, the average person does know that. The average person thinks, look at all the money that they spend yes. that must go to the chief and he wastes it. It's like, um, no, you need to understand that for every dollar, there's probably only like 18 cents that makes it to the First Nation. Okay. Yeah, right. It's exactly. chewed up by the it's chewed up by the bureaucracy bureaucracy. It's chewed up by the Indian industry, mm -hmm. right? That feeds off of they they know how to get their foot in the door in these communities and these indigenous organizations to suck money back out of it. Yeah. So I want we we wanted that to be 
kind of a seed planted in the mind of people that that's what's going on. Right. Uh, and, and I've had people have said too, like, it never occurred to me how I always just looked at how much money is spent and why isn't, why isn't life great? And he goes, it never occurred to me that it doesn't leave the bureaucracy. I'm like, well, you're welcome. Our work here is done. <laughs> exactly. And that's why public education is so important. Okay. So yeah. let's move on to the next one because I'm picking on all of them. Now the NDP, uh, you asked the question about how they're going to ensure that Aboriginal treaty and land rights are respected and protected. And his response was like a mockingbird. Indigenous rights are important and should be protected. And I was like, what? Okay. I, I didn't expect that. I thought he would have, I thought I expected him to have a better answer just because yeah. he out of all the leaders does give the most time to APTN yeah. and our issues. He will. Now people can say, he doesn't have anything else to do. He's not in charge of anything. Uh, he's got a small caucus. So maybe, you know, so whatever the reason is though, he always does make time to come and talk and, and seems genuinely interested and engaged. And I expected more from him, but again, you know, he's not really, um, you know, that polished, shiny thing you stick up in a debate. Like Jugmeet's not like that. He's much more of a person. He could be sitting on here shooting the shit with us sort of thing. So maybe that's why you know, he just wasn't in his element to answer the question. I don't know. But I, I was hoping for something more than that. Yeah, I know. Just give us the how. Because if you have a good yes. platform, you know, like some people have good platforms. The NDP have a good platform on certain things. Why mm -hmm. not just take 30 seconds and say, here's how we're going to actually do it? Well, or, or even in built into that question was, you know, the militarized response to people exercising their rights to harvest or protect land. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, even just saying, I'm going to stop doing that. Like yeah. I'm not going to send the DFO to yes. screw you over, you know, there's yes. tens of thousands of pounds of lobster pulled out of the Atlantic ocean every day. I'm not going to come and fuck with your yeah. 150 pounds. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just say that. Just say that. Just like the whole debate, he didn't answer the question on, will you stop Trans Mountain Pipeline? And I'm like, oh, just answer yes or no. Yeah. So that we can make a decision. Like, so we can all move on. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So the last one, and it might in fact be my favorite one for different reasons, but you asked the, cause I mean, you literally held the conservatives to account. How on earth are you going to have a relationship with native people? <laughs> and you voted against UNDRIP and his face looked like it locked into a frozen semi robotic smile. <laughs> and, and it was like, he was frozen in time for a second. And, and it was almost like, okay, how do I answer this? How do I, and all he did was defend his decision. How under yeah. was. And, and in both Willie little child, it's like, I'm oh, going to work with him and we're going to figure it out. And for me, I mean, I guess his response, I gave him a little more, like I, I expected to be, um, not happy with his response. And I guess I was a little more okay with it because it's like, maybe things have changed for him. And a lot's changed in recent months. Like, like we said at the beginning of this, people are more interested in, okay, we got to reconcile. This is bad. Our history is bad. We need to stop pretending it didn't happen. Uh, stop distracting ourselves with all these other things and really get back to this and figure this out. And I'm sure he's not immune to that either. So I give people some leeway, right? Maybe, maybe what you were standing against, a year ago, you wouldn't be standing necessarily against it now, or you might have softened a bit, or maybe you have a new perspective of it. 
Um, if he's looking, saying, you know what, let's, we got to figure out this free prior informed consent, maybe, and he didn't say maybe under is something I should support, but, but maybe he's heading down that way. Um, then, you know, I'm willing to give anybody time. I like it when people change their minds. Like if you were wrong and you change your mind, I'm like, damn good. Please do, please do. Yeah. So that's why I was like so disappointed, um, that he was like, yeah. Here's why I voted against UNDRIP, essentially, and it interferes with partnerships. And I was like, oh, but what yeah. about the criminalization of protests? She just asked you, yeah. and, and you're not even didn't even go upset that, yeah, I'm criminalizing protests. And he, yeah, and of course, he he could have in that said, yeah, you're damn right, I am going to criminalize protests, because that would play to his base, right? Because they, they love that. Nothing. They want nothing. Well, except for, I would argue now, some of that, the, that same base who wants protests and blockades to be like, arrest them, charge them, throw them in jail. <laughs> they're out there doing the same thing about masks and vaccines right yes. now. Yes. Like, irony is delicious, right? Oh my gosh. So. Oh my gosh. It was, it was just, it was so good. It was just so good. Not the answers, but the questions. I mean, the questions I think will go down in history. I think those are good questions. And I think we just need to keep holding them to account. And, and, and you did that and, and you didn't waste any time getting into bickering that might've taken up time for then to answer your question. Cause you only had such a short space of time. 11 all minutes, <laughs> 11 minutes. It all boiled down to 11 minutes. That's pretty crazy. And it just goes by like that. Oh, oh it flew God. by. I'm like, I feel like I just got out here and now they're like, you can leave now. And I'm like, Marcy, got <laughs> <laughs> it off. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Like the, the awesome side of things. So indigenous woman, Red River Métis. Métis girl in her Métis bling and her Métis blazer. Yes, talk to me about that. I mean, obviously we <laughs> try to rep, but that is pretty national state. I just, it was, I didn't have to think of anything. You know, I'd seen that Anne Malera blazer um, pop up on, you know, as an ad. And I'm like, God, that's beautiful. But I'm like, I don't have my, like, I don't spend, I buy all my clothes secondhand. I have been bought, all, everything I buy is secondhand um, for God, almost 10 years now. And but I'm like, and I don't have money for a blazer like that. But then when I was being sent to the debate, I'm like, Toots, you got to buck up and you got to represent. Um, drop that cash, go get that blazer. And then I have a friend um, who she makes a lot of my earrings. I messaged her. I'm like, I bought this blazer. Could you make me earrings to go with it? She's like, hell yeah. She made a couple pair for me to choose from. And I'm like, that this, so it was very easy. It's like, I knew I wanted that blazer. Um, Jacqueline Freeman made me these, these beautiful earrings to go with it. We show up at, uh, in Ottawa and they're like, you know, cause they're, it's, they're styled. Right. And they want to make sure that people aren't wearing party colors or something that's too busy, like a pattern that doesn't work or that everybody shows up in the same outfit. Like, why are they all wearing purple? Like some, you know, so the stylist is like, bring me three choices of what you want to wear that night and we'll just coordinate. So it looks the best. And I showed up with my one thing. I'm like, I'm wearing this. <laughs> and she's like, okay, because <laughs> I don't have three choices. This is what I'm wearing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Because yeah. imagine, gosh, colonizer 101, we're going to tell a native person what they should. And and I put it on and that stylist went, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> we're done here. Like you, 
move on. I will worry about other people's clothes right now. <laughs> yeah, let them coordinate around you, Melissa. <laughs> but it's good because in an like you're also helping to promote and feature and lift up the artistic work, yes. you know, the hands-on work that other indigenous peoples are actually a part of. So that yeah. it it's like sharing the light. Yes. Rich, and, and that's us in a in, in a yeah. nutshell, right? We yeah. are sharers. We're yeah. sharers. We are not, we're not hoarders, we're not greedy. We like to share. And it's like, if, oh my God, if I have a moment of spotlight here, how many others can I cram into it? Yeah, with yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get in, get in. That's us. That's our nature. That's awesome. And I, you know, I think that also speaks to your nature too, because obviously everybody's not like that. But um, yeah. before we let you go. I have a really important question for you, and that is, will you potentially moderate the next federal election debates? <laughs> Manoush, would <laughs> Manoush, should I do that? Oh, he said no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if asked, I would. I would do it for sure. Yeah, I think that it's. I, you know, being involved in it, you look and go. Um, just stay out of it as much as you can um, and make the question you like the questions are so important and yeah. and it's not up to you to be dragging the answers out of them really like let them sink or swim yes right yes it's their yeah. opportunity if you want to waste it attacking the block go ahead yeah but people are going to judge you on what you actually said Yes. Did yeah. you say the how or not? And I think yeah. the biggest deficiency for all of them was they really didn't say how. It was more platitudes when they did yeah. But that's the nature of these yeah. debates. I mean, like this whole system that we're living in is a circus. Yeah. It's all yeah. wrong. Like, yeah. you know, it's all wrong. The debate is just one portion of that circus. And, you know, I think if you ever watch a debate and you come out going, that guy nailed it, that's a rarity. Or yeah. that, you know, not to yeah. be gender specific, but for somebody to come out and it's like, I learned a whole bunch and that person was incredible. Not usually like people who are already decided voters usually will get excited about um, their person's performance in the debate. But for swing voters, I don't know that, that it makes a big difference for swing voters watching that circus. Well, for Native people, you are clearly the winner of that debate. That's all the talk on social media. So congratulations. You represented you. us so well. I am so happy to hear that. I was I was nervous. I was worried I wasn't going to do people proud and get our yeah. issues out there. But so I'm happy to hear that. The only people we never impress are our families, right? When oh, God, like, yeah. My, my, my grandma was like, I'll watch. If I don't go to bingo, I'll watch that debate. <laughs> And she went to bingo. <laughs> but bingo ended early enough that she came back and caught a little bit of it. And I said, oh, you saw it. And she says, just a little bit of it. Who did your hair? Uh, and she goes, I didn't like it. And then she moved right on to like, you know, have you done your canning for fall? Do you have food for winter? That was that, like, literally, that's how, how it went. Honest to goodness, my first time on Indiana, so proud of my mom says, why would they ask you anything? What are you an expert in? And I'm thinking, you know what, Melissa? Thank goodness for our families to just keep us grounded. Or oh, we yeah. might think we're an expert in something. Nobody is blowing sunshine up my butt in my family. That is for sure. That is for sure. Okay. Well, 
um, where can we find you on what's coming up on APTN? What are you doing on APTN? I'm going right back into the child welfare stuff. Okay. I can't stop. Once you, once you see what that industry is all about and you understand that yes. that industry wants you to believe a lie that mm -hmm. is, they only are in, are, they're only taking neglected and abused children for protection purposes. Once you understand that to not be true, and you see how that it's just it's a it's an industry. It's all about jobs, and they and they they use children as currency, right? That's how they all get their that's how they all get their forty thousand dollar a year jobs or their ninety thousand dollar a year jobs is by taking our kids, and it's our kids. They're not doing this to middle class people or people with money who can fight them. They're yes. using the act and they prey upon people who have no money, who maybe don't have education, can't advocate for themselves struggling with the daily life of poverty, uh, loved ones who are trapped in all of those things that poverty brings, crime and, and addiction. Uh, once you get in there and you see that, you can't just get out of it. You can't just, um, you can't walk away. Yeah. So we'll see you on the news side of- yeah, I'm still, APT National News all the time. Yeah. Um, October 4th, APTN In Focus starts back up. In Focus yeah. is kind of fun too because we do tackle a lot of the really serious, awful oh. stuff. Yeah. But we do the we do the fun stuff too. Like let's go. Who's like some great new indigenous reads? What who's got yeah. new books out? Yeah. Um, you know, indigenous weddings. Like so, weddings that have this uh, kind of cultural flair that's infused into them are actually just traditional weddings. People getting back to those. We do it all. We cover everything in, and in focus, which well, is good. Awesome. My squirrel brain likes to cover all of it. <laughs> Well, all the listeners and YouTube viewers can check out APTN. You can check out Melissa. Here's her email in case you have a really juicy story for her. You can contact yeah. her and say, this must be covered. And, and I mean, they always cover stories. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And thank you, Melissa, for taking the time to yeah. share your journey and your experience because we don't often actually get to talk to the journalists themselves to sure. understand that experience but for native people because you were up there representing us you know we want to hear that story and what was happening behind the scenes. I'm happy that you invited me Pam it's an honor to chat with you. <laughs> no it's awesome well thank you so much and I will see you on election night you're coming to oh, APTN oh, yeah. that's right. That's right yeah yeah. Oh, don't gosh. forget oh, you look a surprise mark that down in your calendar so you don't forget. <laughs> oh yeah that's right I did say I was going to do that okay and um, thank you for everything you do. Thank you to all the listeners and the viewers for taking the time to check this out and to share these episodes far and wide so we continue to lift up the variety of voices that represent our different communities. And I'll make sure to post links, you know, to APTN and to um, all of these different specials that we were talking about. Thanks again for tuning in to the Warrior Life podcast. And if you want access to all of my content and all of my follow-up information, pampometer.com. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. We'll all live.